we are so glad that you are here, as I said in the beginning. And honestly, I can say that with full assurance because I don't know why you're here. You may be visiting family tonight and they brought you, maybe by choice, maybe by like, hey, come to stay with us, you got to go to church with us. And so, amen to those family members. <laughs> maybe you feel like tonight you have a religious duty to be here on Christmas Eve. Maybe you think, hey, I don't, I don't really go to church uh, any any other time during the year, but on, on Christmas and maybe, say, Easter, you you know something in you says, hey, I, I need to be here for that. Man, I, I'm really excited for those people. If you're here just because it's Christmas, I'm really excited for that because I can remember uh, Easter 2010. We, My family, you know, we, we grew up going to church, but then kind of took a hiatus. And then I remember my grandparents inviting us to our church uh, for Easter. And that was Easter 2010. Um, I was invited to go to summer camp that next summer got saved and the whole trajectory of my life changed And so if you are here just because it is a holiday Maybe you'll be a pastor one day. I don't know <laughs> But we are glad that you are here even if you feel like you have a duty to be here You're exactly where you need to be Because whatever the reason I genuinely believe that there is a song in your spirit that only God can write And Christmas is a great season to bring it out in you because what we've been doing is walking through Luke's gospel, looking at four specific songs, looking at songs from men and women. We've seen, uh, what, what was last week? Someone help me out. Shout it out. Simeon. Simeon, okay. I, I was going to say Zachariah. That was the week before, so I really didn't know what we talked about last week, but it was Simeon. I remember that, right? I helped Jane. Everybody loved that, okay? And, and even tonight, like you, you talk about four different songs, we're getting to angels. So, like, not just people in different statuses, different socioeconomic places, people of, of high regard, lower, like, we're getting to angelic angels tonight. And our big idea through this whole series, right, this entire month has been simply this. If, if, if you missed it, that's okay. Here's the big idea. The Spirit of God wants to produce a song in your soul. That's all we said. The Spirit of God wants to produce a new song in your soul, if you will, that there is something inside of you that says, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> I should go to church. Something tells me that's not the devil. And I'm not saying it's the devil with all the people spending time with family right now. That's a great thing too. But, but what we see through these songs is that maybe the Spirit of God wants to do something in not just Mary's life, not just Zechariah's life, not just Simeon's life. Thank you, whoever said Simeon. But maybe even your life too. And tonight, tonight, we get to the angel song. And you might be thinking, well, <laughs> Okay, I'm probably not going to sing the same songs angels will. And that's okay. You're going to find yourself in another part of Scripture tonight. But let's go ahead and turn. It's the shortest song that we've looked at so far. Luke 2, it'll be on the screen. Verse 14, here it is. If you want to be like, hey, what is the angel song? It's really simple. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Glory to God, soli deo gloria. Glory to God alone. And peace on earth to the people he favors. Short and sweet, amen? Well, I said the big idea of this entire series is that the Spirit of God wants to produce a new song in your soul. Well, the big idea for just tonight, I'm going to give you in the beginning so that, that if you doze off, no problem. If you dip out early, no problem. You're going to know what kind of song the Spirit of God wants to produce in you. And so I wrote this down in my notes. This is the main idea for tonight. The angel song is a song of rescue. The angel's song is a song of rescue. And from this verse, we recognize that it is a rescue to the glory of God and the good of humanity. That's what they're saying. Glory to God in heaven 
and peace on earth to the people that he favors. This song of rescue is a song that recognizes the glory of God and the good of humanity. Because this word favors, right? We don't really say that too often. This word favors can really be best translated as grace. And so really this song, if we were to put it in our language, the angels are saying what? Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people that he has shown grace. Now, Christmas is the time to talk about grace, right? We see grace everywhere. I hope today has been magical. I hope tonight is awesome. And I hope to, to tomorrow is even better because we see grace in our families. We see grace in the food. We see grace in the gifts. We see grace in the movies. We see grace in the services. And I wrote my notes, Grace, she died 30 years ago. Hello. <laughs> That's right. If you don't get it, I'm sorry. But I just, you know, I, I, I write down exactly what I think. And so, but mainly, mainly... We see grace in this season because of the rescue mission, rescue mission that God has ordained for his glory and our good. This song is a song of rescue because it ushers in the rescue mission that God has been, that he's been on from eternity past and is culminating in this moment. Because yes, and we're going to sing it, 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 the whole silent night, I'm like, I don't know how silent it was with a newborn, okay? We, we, We had one. And in fact, it was this time last year that I was battling a cold at a different church that we hosted service at. And my wife is on the front row like she is now, just grimacing because she's in labor contractions. So Jane was born tomorrow at 5.08. Parents always want their kids to be humble, right? Well, how about having the same birthday as Jesus? You can't get more humble than that. It's just, Jane, it ain't ever about you. It's just never about you. And so we've had the newborn. It wasn't a silent night. However, however, I love that picture of Christmas, that it was a holy moment culminating in this. But when you think of rescue mission, you don't think of a silent night. I think of like some seals coming out of the water, right? That's what I think of. Navy seals, by the way. (laughs) Because what is true about a rescue mission? If Christmas is a rescue mission, and that's what we're going to keep saying, we want you to believe that tonight, that Christmas in your life and the grace that we see is grace because it is a rescue mission. Number one, I wrote a few things down in my notes. There is a rescuer. What's true about a rescue mission? There's rescuer. And my favorite Christmas passage of all time is John 1. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you, but it'll be on the screen. This is what John 1 says, the greatest Christmas text ever. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing that was created has been created. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. And then if you jump down to verse 14, this is the preeminent Christmas text. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Greek there is he has come and he set up shop, if you will. That he has tabernacled with us. Verse 14, God has become flesh, and we know that as Emmanuel, right? We just sang it. The angels declared it. Mary knew it. That you will call him Emmanuel because he will be God with us. Us From the beginning, God has been on this rescue mission for the people of earth. 
I love what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity when he thinks about this idea of God coming to earth. And, and yes, we might see the meek and mild baby, but I love this quote. It says, enemy occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in the great campaign of sabotage. When we think about this idea of rescue and rescue issues, don't get it twisted. He came as a baby, but he came as king. He came into enemy-occupied territory because he is the rescuer. And any rescue that we know of, there are risks, there are dangers, there are things that you have to plan for, that you have to overcome, that you have to think through. And God, God in the season of Christmas, has stepped into enemy-occupied territory. But not only do you have a rescuer in a rescue mission, but what else do you need? You need a rescuee, i.e. someone who needs to be rescued. And the angels are declaring this, are they not? Glory to God, who is the rescuer, and peace on earth to the people that he has shown grace, because we are people in need of grace. And the angels are declaring this, but not just in song, in context. You see, the story of Christmas is the story of a specific time in our world in a specific location, and a specific declaration was made to specific people. There was a timeline. If we look, if we were to lay out history, there was a point in time that he was not created, but he was born. Jesus has always been the eternal son, but one time, in a specific moment, he stepped into our world, and we can look at it on a timeline. In fact, let's look at it. The girls read it, but jump back to Luke 2 and skip up to verse 8. I love how Luke writes this. He was not an eyewitness, but he's getting the story. He says, in the same region, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Why? Because angels are scary. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Why did they have to say that? Because angels are scary. <laughs> don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. In the same region, there were shepherds. And what were they doing? Well, doing what shepherds do, keeping flock. And just a side note here, if we ever get it twisted that Jesus maybe didn't come on a rescue mission, he actually says in Luke 19, I have come to seek and save the lost. That sounds a lot like a rescue mission. And guys, in this time, there was no one more lost than shepherds. No one. Now, it's fascinating, and I'm not trying to destroy your manger scene, but whenever you get back to your manger scene, the, the, the beard that you see on shepherds, just color it in with like a, a, a black marker because they were probably much younger than we think they would be. You see, when Rome took over Jerusalem, and in this, once again, specific time, right? Specific time. Rome is occupying Jerusalem. The Israelites are not free. The, the Jews living in Jerusalem and the regions, therefore, are not free. And so what would happen is at one time, parents would maybe sell their young boys to slaveholders because they didn't have the money. And then the slaveholders would put them in the fields with the shepherd. Why? Think back to the life of David. Was David important? And that's why he was out in the field. No. When the angel comes, or when the prophet comes to uh, David's father looking for the next king of Israel. David's father doesn't even go get him because he's not that important. He's a shepherd. And so the shepherds here in this context are probably much younger than we think they would have been. They could have been what some pastor says. It was basically a middle school boys camping trip. 
Once again, why does the angel have to say, hey, don't be afraid? Angels are scary, yes. But it could have been that they were much younger. They've never seen anything like this. And no one was more lost than a shepherd. And yeah, you might be thinking, okay, middle school boys around a fire. That's, that's, that's cool. But throughout Israel's history, the shepherds have been looked at as unclean according to the law. I mean, you talk about an outsider, a weird dude, go get a shepherd who spent most of his time with a sheep. He's out there. Shepherds were known um, as liars. They would do whatever they needed to do to survive. In Israel's custom, you couldn't even take a word they said as valid in court. Their testimonies were not valid. You talk about lost, shepherds were lost. And it's the shepherds that the angels show up. And here's what's interesting. Hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of years before this moment, there was a prophecy, a foretelling that the Messiah would come. But in this context, it's not a prophecy. It's a declaration. What the angels are saying is this is a specific time that God is coming in flesh for the glory of the Father and for the good of people. And, and just to give you an illustration of this, we've all been doing this, right, this Christmas season, Amazon. A prophecy is something like you you hitting uh, buy on Amazon or any website that you've been shopping from, and, and you get an email that says what? It's, it's on its way, it's being delivered, it's being processed, it's being packaged. And then when the doorbell rings, what changes? Well, now it's not coming, it's here. And Emily's been worried, right? We do these things like, like gifts showed up yesterday for me and Emily. There's still a gift that is sitting in a blanket box because I didn't want her to see it. And I still got to wrap it tonight because it came late. I, I paid a little bit extra to get it before Christmas, but I thought it might be before Christmas Eve. But I digress. Anyways, that is what's happening here. All those emails that you got about what you bought, that's a prophecy. It's coming. The doorbell rings. It's here. Guys, the angels are ringing the doorbell. The angels come to the shepherds with a, de a declaration for which they declare, He is here, the good news for all people. And good news is simply translated as gospel. The gospel is the good news for us, for all people. And how do we know it's for all people? Well, who did the angels come to before the shepherds? Mary and Joseph. And if there is a paradox in this story, it's that Mary and Joseph are fruitful in their faithfulness. <coughs> There's nothing negative that the scriptures tell us about Mary and Joseph. The angels come to them, and then the angels show up to the shepherds. And so all I want you to hear tonight is whether you think that you are the outcast, the liar, the, oh, I am too far gone, you don't want my testimony in court, God is here for you. And, and maybe you're on the flip side and you think, well, I'm basically Mother Mary, and, and I'm good, the gospel is here for you too. The angels say it is for all people because this rescue mission that God is on, we are all in the same boat when it comes to being the rescuee. So, so, so whether you think you're messy, congrats, you could be a great disciple. Or whether you think you're clean, congrats, you could be a great disciple. And the angels say this is good news for all people. And I wrote this in my notes. Why is it good news, Adam? The rescue mission is a rescue for sinners. The rescue mission is a rescue for sinners. Don't get it twisted. You got a problem, and it's much bigger than the holiday traffic. For something or someone to be a rescuer, and for there to be a rescuee, there has to be something that you are rescued from. Tonight, our biggest enemy is the spiritual condition or lostness that you and I find ourselves in because of what the Bible calls sin. 
greatest enemy is not the 25 family members that you're about to have in your house like me. That's grace. That's not the enemy. The biggest enemy is our spiritual condition that we find ourselves in. Much worse than the shepherds out in the field. They were lost spiritually. And there's a reason that the angel comes to them. And as we see the baby in a manger, we have to see the man on the cross who, as the rescuer, would die in place of and for the rescuee and defeat the thing, sin and death, that we need to be rescued from. Before you take my word for it, let's look at our last verses this evening, verses 11 and 12. This is what the angels say before the song. Today in the city of David, a Savior. Once again, specific time. What city? David, Bethlehem. The, the city of bread is what it's called. He is born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. Now this is interesting, because if we were to skip a few verses, the shepherds go. And if you read this passage, you think, well, there was no other instructions. How in the world did they, they find baby Jesus? Well, the details are actually in the story, especially if you're a shepherd. A baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. Okay, so what? What does this have to do about being rescued from something? We have to know the history in which Luke wrote and the context in which Jesus came. You see, Bethlehem was like five miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it was important that they were in Bethlehem because a lot of shepherds were in that region keeping watch over the flock. Because what they would do is when shepherds or when sheep, excuse me, would give birth, they would look for the spotless lamb. And what they would do is, is they would wrap the, the, the spotless lamb up, take it to the temple, which was five miles north. And those baby lambs that were spotless would be used for sacrifice. So it's very important that you keep them safe. In fact, once again, no instructions. Not trying to kill your manger scene. But this was probably a cave because what shepherds would do is bring their sheep into a cave at night, especially the spotless ones that are going to take the temple. And, 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 and so Mary and Joseph were probably in a cave, and so all they have to do is look for that. And so the shepherds would take a spotless lamb without spot or blemish, and you would wrap it in cloth because you didn't want to get it dirty. And then you would lay it in a stone, probably not wood, a stone trough, and you would lay it there for safe keepings. And so the shepherds are like, wait a minute, and are, we're looking for a lamb? And they just go. But what the angels say is today for you is not a lamb born, but it is the Lord, the Messiah. And your sign will be the same thing that you've seen over and over and over and over and over again. It will be a baby in this swaddling cloth lying in the same thing that you would put a spotless lamb for sacrifice. And I don't know if you're new to church or new to this Jesus thing, but if you're not, I hope your gospel lights are going crazy on your dashboard. Because from the beginning, what is Luke telling us? What are the scriptures telling us? What are the angels telling us? That Jesus was the spotless lamb of God as scripture deems him. That has come to take away the sins of the world. The spotless lambs in the temple, you would sacrifice time and time again because you need more lambs to account for all sin. And Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice. He is the spotless one from birth that would live 33 years of a spotless life and die on our behalf because to be without blemish is not an indictment on his skin at birth. Jesus probably had milk bumps. I learned what those are. <laughs> Rather, to be without spot or blemish is a declaration of his holiness and majesty as the only one to satisfy the pain of sin. He is the rescuer, rescuing the rescuee, 
from the true enemy of sin and death. This is what the angels are declaring. Christmas is a time of rescue. God is on a rescue mission. And as I invite the guys back up to play one more song, as we close, I just want to pray for us. I just want to pray for us. I, I, don't, I don't know why you came tonight or, or, or what's going on in your life. But just I want, to, I want to pray that you would see yourself as part of this rescue mission. And not the rescuer, but as the rescuee. That you would see yourself in this greater narrative of life that you ain't got this, and therefore you need someone outside of yourself. You ain't got this. I want to pray that, that, that you would, as the rescuee, look to the rescuer from the true enemy. I really want to pray that you have joy in the midst of a full season. Is anybody busy in here? Busy is like a four-letter word I hate, okay? I return I, I the word uh, full. Does anybody have a full life during this holiday season? Yeah, I see some heads. Amen. That's right. Well, we're, you know, in our church, we don't say amen. We just nod. Look at the pastor. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to pray that you have joy in that season. That whatever's going on, whether it's full because of everything great, or whether it's full because of everything bad, I want to pray that you would have resurrected joy. I want to pray that you would have new life. That the things in your life that are so chaotic, maybe in your own soul, are so chaotic that tonight you would have new life as you look to the rescuer. Because why not now? That's what I wrote in my notes. Why not now? I mean, Christmas is the time to be found, right? It's interesting that all of us in here, whether you believe in this God thing or not, you're going to watch a movie, you're going to celebrate with family, you're going to do something during the season where you're like, oh my gosh, this is how it ought to be. This is how it ought to be. There's something about Christmas and the baby coming in a manger that points us to something better, right? Next week's going to happen, it's like, oh gosh, God has forgotten us again. But tonight... Today, tomorrow, this week, it's like, man, everything is to be right. And, and, and don't take it from me, take it from culture, because one pastor said it like this, Christmas has a special way of pointing us all into the reality that things be made right. Because Buddy is reunited with his father, Rudolph gets included, Clark gets the pool, Kevin gets his family back, Ralphie's going to get a red rider, and John McClane sends Hans Gruber straight to hell. Like everything, <laughs> everything is made right during this season. There's something that points us to things being made right. And you know why? Because the rescuer, on a rescue mission for the rescuee, is rescuing us from the thing that really, really entraps us, and that is sin and death. Christmas has a way of doing this, pointing us to the reality that everything should be beautiful, kind, and loving. And that life is only available because of Jesus. That life is only available because of his sacrifice. And so tonight, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never given your life over to this rescue mission, you've never come to that place inside of you where you say, hey, I can't do this. I, I, I can't do I, I need something else. If that is where you are, then I'm just going to pray for a blessing that you in this moment would come to know your God. Even if this, this, this time is, is painful, it's hard, wrong. I, I just pray tonight that tonight you would confess Jesus as Lord and be rescued, rescued from sin and death. And so if you will, let's just pray together. Would you pray with me? And if you were in this moment, 
where you need rescue from whatever it may be, I pray that you would see the baby in a manger, the spotless lamb wrapped up in cloth, because he is the rescue plan, plan A, the baby that would go to the cross, die for your sin, and ultimately resurrect over sin and death. And so, Jesus, we pray in your name tonight that anybody who needs rescue would find rescue in you. That we would see the baby in a manger as the God in enemy-occupied territory. That he came for a purpose, at a specific time, to a specific people. And if you can declare this good message to shepherds, you are declaring it to us. Wherever we find ourselves, tonight I pray that there is rescue in our souls. So for anyone who does not know Jesus, I pray right now in the, the, the stillness of their soul that they would confess that Jesus is Lord that they would repent, turn away from their sin, and be rescued from that. I pray for anybody who is struggling with a full plate of just sorrow and difficulty. This season is hard. I pray for them that you would resurrect their joy, triumph over that. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who thinks they got this. I pray for anybody who has the heart that they can rescue themselves. I pray for those who don't even know they need rescue. Lord, would you do what only you could do? Would you bless us as we go to family, as we go to friends, as we go into our homes, as we go to restaurants? And would we always remember that the, the message of Christmas is a message of rescue. And that you are on a rescue mission for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.